Hello, and welcome back to the Gen Z Podcast. Today we're talking with Daniel J. Floor, who is a poet and is here to talk about his poetry collection, Lapping Water, which was published with Gen Z. Daniel also has other books, which you can check out in the description. In this episode, Dan gives advice to poets. He talks about his own poetry, and then he reads it, and then we analyze it. And so without further ado, let's talk to Daniel J. Floor, who's going to tell us more about his poetry and how it comes into existence. Stephanie, my name is Daniel J. Flora III. I've been doing, I've been writing poetry for a long time. Uh, how I actually go about, how I write a poem is, I look at poems as TV channels. It's something that, if it's not there for me, if, if it's not there for the reader, it's just going to be turned off the channel. It's just somebody that's just going to change the station and. That's how I really look at it. I'm somebody that when I read a poem, it's no different than I'm channel surfing or I'm on the web and I'll just turn it off because it's <laughs> uh, it's time. And that goes for my own stuff too. Like if it's just not working, mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll, I just won't, I won't deal with it. I'll just realize it's, it's not what I want. Yeah, absolutely. So would you say, you know, I like this TV metaphor, you know, when you're flipping a TV channel, it's basically like entering into a different world and a different story. So would you say that your poems kind of exist in separate spheres or are they all part of the same kind of landscape or experience, if you will? Well, I got in this 22 years ago for the same reason I'm in it now, which is to deliver the best product that I can. If there is a sphere, it's based on that. It's based on quality. It's based on whatever I'm writing. Like, so you know, I definitely think, you know, if somebody's watching a TV show or a movie or reading a poem, you're asking for people's time, and you have to deliver because they're giving you time. Is time is something that um, that when we lose someone in our life, we look at the time we spent with them, and really. Any form of entertainment uh-huh. is going to dip into somebody's time here on Earth. So you better mm-hmm. you have to bring it. You have to bring you have to bring the quality to it because, like I said, and I, and I'm no different. I'll just I'll just turn it off if it's not worth my time. You know what I mean? If if it's not exactly, what for you would you say defines quality? Finds that the best the best things have um, a certain they have something to them that's intangible like an intangible essence that just hits people and they know it's good and they they can feel it and they know it you can't I mean and that goes again for me too like I I try to be my worst critic you know what I mean and that's that's the best mm-hmm. that's best I can do for this uh, is just be like, would I read this? Would I give a crap about this? And <laughs> Yeah. And when you sit down to write a poem, what's going through your head? Is it based off of past experiences that you've had or things you've seen or just, I guess, where does your inspiration come from? Really, like I said before, I go into it really just what's the best I can mm-hmm. 
and then the actual like what's the best I can bring to the table so you know let's say I have an idea and really really anything can be a poem anything and sometimes the stranger it is something that doesn't feel like a poem sometimes can be a really good poem because it's something different than what you're just gonna Mm-hmm. than what you usually do. So I, I, I'm constantly on the lookout for things like that, things that are just, you know, that strike me as, that interest me. I try to, uh, I, even as I'm writing a poem, I'm, there's an audience there, and it's myself, and I'm, you know, I'm very, very, like, cutthroat about it because I have to be because, you know, if I'm not... I just let myself slack on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna slack through it right where I do, and then, then, it's, then I'm done. And is there, you know, other than delivering quality and delivering that kind of uh, that kind of feeling, that intangible feeling you were describing, what kind of drives your poetry from a on a topic basis? I guess I kind of asked that already, but I guess I'm trying to get a little bit more at the, the content of your writing, because poetry is all so different, and some things are, you know, like really abstract, and you have other poetry that's uh, very much based on personal life experiences, and some poetry is trying to communicate a very specific message. So basically on that scale, what kind of topics do you tend to write about? Well, it depends what book you're talking about. Mm-hmm. My first book is uh, Lapping Water. It's called Lapping Water. Uh-huh. And for a long time, whenever I talk about the book or do something like this, an interview, or, you know, even with friends, it was always, oh, this is a, such a, this is a very personal book. This is very personal. This is me. This is me. And mm-hmm. and there's, there's an element of truth to that. But really, when I look at it, it's its own entity, and it's it's not really me. It's like when I started, too, I didn't just start like, okay, I want to write a poem. I started with the intent of, I want to write poetry books, and we, we connected thematically, whatever. Right. Really, like water itself, right in the title, is a huge theme in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take me to the water and just look at the water, it's the symbol, the symbolism of it throughout, and, you know. And how would you explain the symbolism of water in that book if you, you know, had to, using <laughs> prose? And... Other people have said, like, baptismal, there's a baptismal element of it, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Throughout the book, there's, uh, I know I was definitely thinking about, um, the ways in which um, water can be something pure, something not pure, like the opening poem is tap water, and that's really, the opening poem in the book is called tap water, and that's really, um, when, when I look at that poem, that's really just, um, not to take it away from anything that somebody might have read into it or whatever, but I'm just looking at it and not pure. You, know, you get water out of the tap, it's not pure, and that's kind of where the narrator in that poem is that is that in, uh, mm-hmm. feels impure you know um, about himself now whether or not that's me i you know i can't i can't <laughs> you know where i was at but i wouldn't it and there's just but it's more 
the actual what I went through. It's the actual emotion. Right. And that's the personal side that, you know, I hope comes out in the book and that the reader goes through with me. And as far as, you know, the, the personal side and personal experiences, what kind of experiences have you had that have contributed to, you know, poetry that you've written? I'm wondering if there's anything specific or if it's just kind of private reflections on moments and not any particularly large event, you know? Well, the, <laughs> I started with the first poem, so I'm going to skip to the last poem in the book. The last poem in the book, I can remember the writing of that poem. Um, it was in a small, it was called Today I Saw the World. And I'm going into the poem thinking, not only with the idea of what I want to say in the poem, but this has got to be good. So I'm at a in the suburbs. I'm at a small apartment, and I'm trying to bang this thing out. And uh-huh. it's my first book, so there's this whole element of like self-esteem in there. Like this has got to be good, so I can feel good about myself. That's very familiar, yeah. <laughs> so after all that, really, it's just a book of just absolutely like I guess I would. I mean, not a book, but the poem itself. Today, I saw the world was like. It's like kind of looking at the world that's just, just totally, um, just can't take it anymore. Just totally like out of breath, like almost. Right. <laughs> almost like looking at the world as if everybody in it was bipolar or whatever. Right. I'm writing that poem and I'm in this small apartment and that all comes out and the fact that it's got to be good and you know it's the poem's done and i remember going downstairs and there was a friend of mine sitting um in his chair and i read him the poem and he really liked it and that pretty much was all i needed to just be like that could be in this book that could make the book and uh-huh um so that's really that's what a writing a poem is like for me but like i'm constantly I mean, almost to a fault, thinking about the audience. And it doesn't matter who, who, I don't know if he's ever even read a poem, but just the fact that it affected him and he liked it, mm-hmm. I still see his smile on my head, is right. you know, what that poem meant for me and what writing it, where it, where it came from and what it was about. And it, it, was, it was fun. It was a funny Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And do you say that your poems, um, do they take place in like specific landscapes or are they more abstract? I've read quite, I've quite read quite a lot of poetry and there's some poetry where there's absolutely nothing concrete. It's uh, just sort of very vague and, um, and, but still sometimes very impactful. And then there's others where you find yourself on a road trip in a very specific situation in a, in a desert or maybe in a bedroom or something like that. So I'm wondering on that scale where you kind of tend to fall. All over the map, really. I mean, it really, it depends on the book. Like, it depends on, on, on the poem and the book. And, you know, I'm not one for labels, really. Like, um, I just, again, I'm going with the mind. I like, I, I just, in other words, like, you can write something and somebody say, well, that, that's not poetry, that's prose. That's that's prose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what's a prose poem? And then, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh-huh. um, 
if it works for yeah. what you, you want it to work for. Right. And I think that that's kind of my job or the job of the reader is, you know, we try to go back and find definitions to say, oh, this is what this means or this is what this is. This is this device, etc. This kind of poetry, whatever. But when you're actually writing, I think just doing the best you can to convey the meaning that you have in mind is the only thing that's actually important. And, you know, you're not thinking about those various categories, etc. At least for most most writers, I, I don't think that they do. Would you say that you have a very particular audience in mind for your poetry, or do you think that it's enjoyable for anyone? I mean, ideally, it, it should be for anyone. But then, I mean, a good poem really should appeal to somebody who's got mm -hmm. a doctorate in poetry, somebody, a little kid. It should appeal to your mom. <laughs> but I guess topically, do you think that there are some people who will relate to your poetry more than others? I guess it depends what, what book. Like, Lapping Water, the one I was talking about, mm -hmm. like, I guess it appeals to where each individual reader is at in their life. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And, um, that's the only really like thing I'm looking for, unless the book is totally thematic. Like my second book is is a Christmas book. It's just, is haikus about Christmas time. So mm -hmm. <laughs> ball game. But my hope is that people aren't just like, oh, I want a deep poem. I want something that's gonna move me and be about trees and love and just say, oh well, I you know I I, I was in tears online by. Joe, what? Uh huh. Think about Christmas, like you know what I mean, like I. I right. More open-minded, like and not just. Mm -hmm. Don't just pigeonhole poetry, you know, to be. Right. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's great. That's kind of a, a magazine-esque approach in which the, you you assume the reader isn't looking for anything particular. They're just looking to enjoy the poems, which is a good approach for sure. But then there are readers who go into books or into poetry collections seeking something very specific. So, <laughs> you know. Fine, too. I mean, I do that. There's books. I'll go to Barnes mm -hmm. and & Noble and I'll have a very specific thing in my mind and I'll search out a book on that. And that's exactly. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and uh, as far as... Um, I guess if... <laughs> I guess if there's anything uh, else that you wanted people to know about your poetry books that you haven't yet said, um, what would it be? If there was any, that's a good question. Um, I guess really um, to just look at a poem that I've written and have it have me taken out of the picture, have book sales taken out of the picture, have everything taken out of the picture, and they just have that moment with a poem that is sacred and, you know, either makes them laugh or makes them, like, just take everything away and just boil it down to, you know, just something that, you know, something like that. And that, mm -hmm. that would really, that would yeah, absolutely. 
And you seem, I mean, you've obviously said you're very focused on quality. So if you were to advise anybody else who is writing a poem into sort of improving the quality of their poetry, what, what advice would you give? Well, I would say if you're doing an interview and you have to read a poem at the end of the interview by saying how much you work on quality because you're really setting yourself up. Uh, <laughs> be very careful, your listeners are, are waiting to watch you deliver the goods. Now, I would, um, that, that's a good question too, and it's a fine line that I walk too, and that's, you know, the fine line of taking critique that may differ from your own and staying true to yourself too. And where, where do you take the critique? Where do you say, yeah, that person's right. Yeah, I need to be thinking more about things like that. But where does it stop, stick? And you're like, well, this actually is getting in the way of my vision for this. And finding that happy medium is what I walk when I write a poem. And what I would advise people to try to do is just to be as open as you can. To take it from there. And and you'll know. You'll know when. You'll, you'll know that happy medium. I don't think it's as hard as I think it is or that other people may <laughs> No, sometimes, you know what I mean? You just, when something clicks for you, it clicks. Right. Uh-huh. And what would you say is the difference between, like, professional and amateur poetry? Because I know that, I was just going to say, I know that with myself when I was, like, in high school, uh, I would write, I'd write poems, and I liked some of them a lot. I liked how they sounded, and I liked what they were about, but I didn't know if they were publishable. And I think that a lot of writers have that kind of thing where a lot of prose writers especially tend to dabble in poetry because they sometimes enjoy writing it, but they can't really decide if it if it's something worthwhile, you know, improving and trying to publish. So for you, what, what would you say the distinction is between that line when you're just kind of playing around and you, you know, you actually have something that you think you can put into a book and show other people? Um, hmm. <laughs> Maybe you were just always a pro, so. No, I don't. Uh huh. I still write hard the poems. Right. Every everybody does. Everybody's got in their work. So, um, if you're just uh -huh. starting out, I think the first thing, like what I did, was I was very serious from the beginning. Like, I didn't just start out kind of casually writing in my diary or writing in my journal or whatever. I started out, even though the poems were bad, saying, I want to write a book. I want to write a book of poetry. So I had that set going into it. When you're that, like, that, that helps. Because if you, you know, if you want to know what you're doing, like, you know what I mean? Know, know what mm -hmm. you're getting yourself into. If you're that serious, then then you'll work at it and you get exactly you know. the deeper part of that question i was trying to get at is sometimes things sound fantastic to you that are not actually ideal for for your listeners so do you feel that there's ever a disconnect between what you think is good and what your readers might think is good and um if so how do you decide you know Who's right? Yeah, that that's gonna happen, you know, with everybody. Everybody's gonna get a, a bad review. Everybody's, you know, you could be Dan Floor or Allen Ginsberg or, uh -huh. you know, it doesn't matter. Like, uh -huh. I 
even the Beatles have songs that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're songs that, you know, they, they, that aren't, that may not be what you like. And I think the important thing is to look at something and just be able to say, you know, somebody doesn't like it for whatever reason. That reason could be the very reason you wrote it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You could have looked at a, a bunch of poems that that reader, you know, thinks is a good poem, and you, you, you inverted it. You were sick of it, so you wanted to write something different. <laughs> it could be the best right. compliment you get in the world is somebody saying, oh, no. and then you're like, right, exactly. <laughs> what I expected to hear, and it takes take time too. Like, you might write something that you hate one day, but in a week you love it. Or somebody might read something you wrote. I do this all the time. I read tons of other people's poetry all the time. I'll hate it one day, and then the next day I'll read it, I'm like, oh, God, how did I miss this? And that's <laughs> like, or it's just like a, if you get an album and you hate it the first time you listen to it, and, and mm -hmm. then like, you pick it up again in 10 years, and you're like, oh, my God, I love this. Right, yeah, because, it, yeah, especially with music and with poems, too, I guess, but with music, it's like sometimes you get music in a new category, and it's just completely not what you expected. So you think it's off, and the whole thing just sounds dissonant, doesn't make sense. But then you realize that it's doing this thing that you didn't know music could do, and you're, it's so exciting. So I think writing could definitely do the same thing, as you said. <laughs> All right, well, we are now at uh, pretty close to the end of the recording. So I should cut this out, but would you like to read any of your poetry, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier? and kind of we can look more in depth at your writing process that way. Sure. I'm going to read, like I said before, I was going to read something. So this is from the book we were talking about called Lapping Water. And it comes in kind of early, it comes in early in the book. It's maybe the third or fourth poem in the book. So I'm just going to read this. Um, and I hope you... It's called Two... Repeat the title. It's called Too Red. Too Red. Yep. Okay. All right. Too Red. Oh, to see you. Lines in my face you wouldn't remember. Breathe on my fingers. They froze a long time ago. I'm down beneath the trees, branches stretching out, trying to capture all of you that's gone. May I wash my blood from your feet so you could dance through the years between us. Take me to moments lost in the mud. We'll clean off their filth and paint them with what could have been. I caught you in words once or twice. The letters all reassembled into the little hill we would lie on when the sky moved through us. I still see your figure in the fields against a purple sky. All I have now is that darkness. I drink it to sleep and dream of you singing songs of protection across my body. Sit with me again. We'll grab onto the smoke and let it take us to that morning when we walked across feathers. Oh, how I remember you then, my sterling maiden of God, my queen of honeysuckle. If only I could turn every kiss I gave you into a leaf, a little piece of me that would never turn into pollution I've become. Nice. 
There's, I really like how much fragmentation imagery is in that poem. That was this kind of the feeling I was getting from it. And obviously, you know, the feeling of, I, w- I don't want to speak cliche and say grief, but grief to some extent is really present there. So with a poem like that, was that something that you wrote a long time after? Or was first of all, I can't assume that that was based off of a real life experience. But if it was, was it something that you wrote in sort of immediately after after an end of a relationship or long after kind of reflectively? Or is it even about any particular relationship? Is it, is it just kind of remembering a feeling? Well, hopefully a lot of the poems, and thank you for saying what you did about the poem. <laughs> to answer fragments of imagery definitely describes that book well. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Good. The poems, like, the poems in the book should really, they should all have years to them. Like, in other words, it's good that you're at, like, they should all feel like, not all, maybe not all of them, but certainly that one, like, you know, I'm going mm-hmm. to put some years into the poem. Mm-hmm. Do they all, I mean, I'm assuming they must not all fall in the theme of relationships, but do you have, do you have a handful of poems that are based off of? Are they primarily based off of, you know, the way that you relate to other people or the way that you're, this narrator relates to other people? Or is it kind of a, a widespread of relationships, not all of them with, with people, but maybe with situations or environments, etc.? I think that book really um, should feel like um, you're reading about my personal you read it mm-hmm. should feel personal in other words mm-hmm. like you're reading about you know a, a lost love or a, you know mm-hmm. so this like magical eden is gone now uh-huh. the person's right that that should really come across in the book that's what i wanted from it so mm-hmm. right and would you say that the poems all lean towards the kind of I that was sort of present there I mean there's obviously a lot of pain but as far as the image of the lover is it's portrayed as one of somewhat perfect so would you say that the 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 image of you know the object of affection it changes in different poems or is it sort of consistent I don't even know if that's a legitimate question but (laughs) I guess the love poems in there really could they're each a relationship and Mm-hmm. And they're like, you should feel like, like what what I would want the reader to take a what I would want people to feel is, you know, like their relationship. Maybe maybe they can hear some of themselves, think of somebody while they're listening, or you know, um, and then also, mm-hmm. you know, who who the narrator in the poem is talking to, and is it you know is it the same lover and. You know, that's all things you can do when you read the book. Like, you know what I mean? You can look at it like it's just all to love poem, one person, and how are those things connected? And right. things you can you can look at and see along with yourself mm-hmm. and your own. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's a lot like listening to music again, because I think when you pick up a music album, usually there are multiple, the songs are about multiple people, and there are multiple aspects of those relationships, and each 
song, like a poem, you know, can be a, a slice of a relationship, <laughs> if you will. I think that's interesting. And I guess the larger problem is that I have never sat down and read a complete book of poetry. I am very much a selective poetry reader, whereas where I just kind of read poems that I come across, but I have never had the experience of reading a whole poetry book and kind of being totally immersed in somebody's. Anything else you wanted to say about that poem or about that particular collection? No, I mean, I guess it's just something that was a part, like, you know, it's something that is difficult actually to talk about and like because like I'm I'm kind of a private person I don't really you know what I mean I, I but uh, but at the same time like I like I kind of hinted at before I want that privacy in the poem you know what I mean so it's a fine line to walk when I talk about this book because I have my own life but you know there's Right. Privacy in it, and yeah, no, you don't want to be venting about all your your exes or your current <laughs> thing. Actually, I'm glad you said that. You know, it's like you said that you're very honest, and like I've never read a poetry collection, and that's that's what to like. I want my poetry to not have pretense. In other words, just be like there's mm -hmm. a book that you know you've had to read 70 volumes of whatever to be able to pick, you know what I mean I, right. I, you know, I want to I wanted to not have that like you know. mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and I think it's it's I I'm definitely in that same boat as you is uh, in that I believe that any writing whether it's poetry or prose should be accessible to whoever happens to pick it up, it, not in the sense that it's dumbed down in any way, but in the sense that it's written with a, a clear intention in mind and isn't overcomplicated unless it absolutely has to be for the meaning to be conveyed. Unless you require a certain style that's somewhat more advanced to convey a specific meaning, then I, I definitely think that writing should be as accessible as possible because I think accessibility is a sign of clarity and a clarity in your thinking when you're writing. So. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that that you you take that approach, and I read some other than this one poem. Um, I read some poems uh, on your on your Facebook page, and and generally they they all have a very kind of friendly quality where they they put you put you in different emotional states and have these different beautiful images as you described. And I mean, I think that's that's admirable. You know, I wasn't familiar with your poems, but when I first saw the, you know, the one you sent me over email and some of the ones on your Facebook page, you know, I immediately was able to get into them and understand what was going on and what the feeling was. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, there are cryptic poets like I guess Emily Dickinson would be one of the prime examples of that where the crypticism is actually the meaning. But that isn't necessarily what you're going for. So thanks so much for listening to the Gen Z podcast. If you made it this far in the episode, be sure to check out Dan's links in the description. Also, if you are interested in us, you can follow us at Gen Z Pub on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd appreciate it if you shared this episode, and we also think it may be beneficial for you to check out some of our old episodes. We interview a lot of cool and varied authors, at least that's my opinion. So thanks again for listening. My name is Stephanie Winova, and on behalf of the Gen Z podcast, have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you.